Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we are starting a new series, and actually just a what we'll call a mini-series, just two weeks that we'll be sharing, and uh, during uh, this time, I want to really unpack a prayer that we've been praying over the last um, number of months. It was a prayer that I wrote um, just uh, as in, in a prayer time of, God, what we want to see you do here at Faith Assembly, and uh, just a prayer that we've, we've been praying, and uh, just felt led to uh, share that with you, but really just for us as a, as a whole to really hear that, make this our prayer, and it's, this is the prayer that we're praying for Faith Assembly, that we would be a house full of his presence and a people moved by his spirit. How many would say amen to that? You, you, you'd agree with that, that that'd be a prayer, that God, that we would be a house full of your presence, that, that there's more of God. How many believe there's more of God to attain, that there's more of God that he wants to reveal to you? I believe that everything that drives our lives and everything that we're about ought to come from a love for Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? That it ought to be a love for Christ that drives everything we do. Everything we do in life ought to be driven by our love for Jesus, but especially everything we do in this church. It ought to be connected to our heartbeat of who we are, that this is us, that our heartbeat is all about Jesus Christ, and it's about knowing him and about seeing more of him at work in our lives. And uh, there's, there's more of him yet to experience. And I want to ask you today, is your heart beating intently and absolutely and completely for Jesus Christ, that our heart beating more and more for Jesus. Would you stand with me in this, this text, 2 Corinthians, oh my goodness, 2 Timothy. It's the lights. It's the light. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 5. Here's what it says. Uh, Paul, let me, I always like to just give context here. Paul is writing from a prison cell, and he's writing to his son in the faith, uh, Timothy. Paul is about to die. Paul knows that that time is coming near. Later, he'll say the time of my departure is near, and he's speaking of, of that time at, at, that has come in his life, but he's encouraging his son in the faith, and uh, here's what he encourages, encourages him with. In verse uh, 2 Timothy, verse 5, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. God, I pray that's our, that our, that's our truth today. God, let that be in us, that the heart that we were beating continues strong for the things of God. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Father, I pray that you would, that you would cause this, this word, God, to spark in our hearts just a deeper passion. Let our hearts beat more for you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? amen. You may be seated. Would you just tell somebody beside you, fan the flames, fan the flames. It's, if it's your spouse, go ahead and make it mean more, more things than just one if you need to, but... Uh, Fan the flames, fan the flames. Somebody like, I can't believe you say that in church. My goodness, if you're not fanning the flames with your spouse, I can't believe you wouldn't do that in the presence of Jesus. I mean, you, how many know Jesus wants you to have a good marriage and good relationship? 
Some of you are getting real awkward right now, and I don't know what that's about. But uh, <clears throat> heaven forbid if your passion was stronger before you were married than it is after you're married. This is not a marriage talk, I promise you. But y'all just scaring me for a moment here. I'm like, wait a minute, where did I just show up? Uh, I, I want... Uh, I want to talk today about fanning the flames, our passion, our relationship for Jesus Christ, that we would have a heart that would beat harder and stronger for the purpose of God and the presence of God in our life. How's your heart beat? I, a couple years ago, um, I had uh, gone to the hospital scheduled. It wasn't a uh, uh, unscheduled, but I had made an appointment and I had gone for a stress test. Uh, this has been about three years ago, and I had to. I went for a stress test and did that whole treadmill thing because I was having some issues with my chest, and I was feeling some things that I knew weren't normal. And knowing the history of my family, uh, my grandparents in particular, that there were some things I wanted to be aware of because I figured if there's things I should know, I'd rather know them now and be prepared and know some things I need to do and what might need to take place. And and so as I went for the stress test, ran the treadmill did the whole thing, everything was fine. The conversation that happened was this. It was, everything's fine with your heart. They asked me, do you have anything stressful going on in your life? At the moment, I didn't realize it was anything stressful, but there was just this sense of there's a lot to do. And if your heart's not in a healthy place to handle the stuff that takes place, it can strain and add struggle and difficulty. It's in the physical. I want you to know it's in the natural, which, by the way, if you are concerned or have any questions, uh, I rearranged my schedule. The Lord taught me that busy was a dirty word and an ugly word, a four-letter word, and it was not a word I should be using because I thought if I could say I was busy, it meant I was doing something, and really all I was doing was trying to prove what I was doing and not making enough room for God to do whatever he wanted to do. And so I got rid of busy. I've got a great team around me, and I've not had those symptoms for three years because God has put order in my life and helped me to get some things in place because if you don't handle the things of stress, they'll weigh on you. It'll overtake you. You've got to take care of your physical condition and that's true. We could preach to that, but I want to preach today to the spiritual condition of your heart. How many load that life has stress? I don't know how people do life without Jesus. I mean, it is tough having relationships. It's tough making decisions. It's tough sometimes. It's not just because I'm a preacher. There was a day in culture when you could say the busiest people in the world were those who are doctors and preachers and everybody else just did their own thing and got to rest at night. It's not the case anymore. We all work 24-7. We all have stressed out lives. We all have things that are going on. We all got stuff that we've got to attend to in details. It's not just one occupation. It's it's become the nature of life, that life has stress. How do you do this making decisions, knowing that there's implications and hoping it's the right one and knowing that there's ramifications, that if, if it's not the right decision, it, it has an effect. How do you do all that? I'm agreeing with everything that's happening in the moment. Squirrel, help me, Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Y'all just testing me to see if I can, like, stay focused. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> Stress. How do you do when you know that there's life choices and decisions that if we're not taking care of ourselves, but the most important thing, having a relationship 
with Jesus Christ because how do you do this without Jesus? Because let's be honest, when you step out in faith and you move your family from Texas because you believe it's the will of God, it doesn't change the strain and the stress that you feel when you're stepping out in that place. You know all you want with your heart that God's going to take care of you, but how many know the step you're taking right now doesn't feel like what you're believing? How do you handle that when life by itself has those kinds of stresses and, and moments? How do you do that without anchoring yourself in the presence of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of who he is, and making your heart firmly, firmly fixed in him that we would fan into flames? I was a, an intern youth pastor back in the day, and uh, probably at that time would have been about 19 years old, as an intern youth pastor driving my dad's Astro minivan up the, uh, to a state park where we were going to do a youth trip. There were not that many kids in there, just enough to fit in an Astro minivan. And as we're driving along, that vehicle started to sputter. I was not a mechanic then. I'm still not one now. But I was definitely not a mechanic then, and I knew it's sputtering. This is a problem. I know enough to get off the side of the road. We pull the minivan off the side of the road, try to figure out what the problem is. I'm that guy that I open the hood and stare at it like, yep, there's stuff in there. I mean, I don't know why I keep doing that, but I'm like, oh, it's not working. I better open the hood and look at it, because what else am I going to do? So I open the hood, we're off the side of the road, and Fortunately, I'm there thinking, how long are we going to have to wait? What are we going to have to do? We're going to have to walk somewhere. How long? What's it going to cost? How's, what's dad going to say when I tell him I let his car sit on the side of the road? What is going to take place? Do we have to abandon this thing? What's going to happen? A good Samaritan comes along not too, too far after that moment, and he comes along. He sees the hoods open. He looks around. He looks at it. He says, turn, the, turn the, the key so I do that. It doesn't do anything. He looks again. He comes back into the vehicle. He then looks over the steering wheel. He says, young man, I think you're out of gas. <laughs> Who knew? He goes to the gas station that I passed, gets some gas in a tank that he has prepared in his truck. He puts it in my car. We're back on action, back to action like nothing ever happened. That car starts right back up. What I thought was something that could be major was just not an issue with the vehicle. It was an issue with the operator. I want you to know faith is never your problem. God, when your faith is in Jesus Christ, he never fails, he never leaves you, he's never less than, he is perfect, he is always good and absolute. Life has issues and struggles, without a doubt, the problems that we have, but there's an operator issue that I've got to work through. Do you know one of the dangerous things that Jesus did, but he or God did, but he loved us that much, is that he gave us control? You know what he said? I created the earth, thank you very much. And he said, let there be light. And when he created the earth, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And then after he said, let there be light, he said to Adam, he said, the earth is yours. He gave him dominion over it. Now, if you two don't stop it, I'm going to keep laughing. Here, I know this will correct it. If y'all don't stop, I'm going to preach for two hours. Adam, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he gave him dominion. You know what he said? You have dominion. You have control. You have control. That control has been given. Adam and Eve, unfortunately, gave control back to the devil. God gave them control. They gave it back to the devil. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus said, he gave it back. Jesus took back what we gave to the enemy, what was given through sin. Jesus, he gives us 
control. Now, does that mean we are able to just have everything go the way we want? Absolutely not, because there's still a principality and rulers of high places over this area, uh, over, over this, this earth, but, but we have control. You have control. You have responsibility. When things don't work the way we want them to work, God's never the problem. That's hard for us sometimes. God is never the problem. It's I have to fan my, my faith and fan the flames of my faith to come to the place that, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to go with you through every circumstance and situation that I'm going to believe you. I'm going to hold on to your word. I'm going to trust that you're going to bring about this work in my life. That vehicle will leave you sitting on the side of the road if we don't take the moments to attend to the faith, to attend to the works that God is calling and putting inside us. Paul is encouraging Timothy that he says, your faith is off to a good start. You've got the faith of your grandmother and the faith of your mother. How many are thankful for the faith of grandmas and mothers who have set a foundation. Let me tell you the truth. It was my great-great-grandmother that when she died, she had her funeral. My grandmother got saved at her funeral because she was praying for her family. She didn't get to see it, but my grandmother got saved at my great-grandmother's funeral. And when that happened, my grandmother started praying for her family. Well, guess how my mom and dad got saved? Because of my praying grandmother who prayed that they would come to know Jesus. And so not only did my mom, her daughter, come to know Jesus, but my, my grandmother said, if you're going to hang out with him, you can't go with him anywhere unless he goes to church on Sundays with you. And so if he doesn't go to church, you can't hang out with him. I think it's a pretty good idea, moms and dads. If the girl's going to hang out with a guy, he better hang out in church because if he's not hanging out in church, no use hanging out with him anywhere else. I thought I'd get a little more amens than that, but do the light thing again. That worked. That was just my grandmother prayed for, and here he, he, Paul is, is saying to Timothy, you have the faith of your mother and your grandmother. Paul's in prison. He's not seen Timothy. He says, but I remember how good your faith, how strong your faith was. He says, I believe it continues still. Can I ask you today, is your heart beating for Jesus with the same passion that it did the moment you began? Have you continued to fan into flames the heart, the passion to know him, to love him, if not, this, this faith fanning into flames that we've got to do what we've done before. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus tells the church in Ephesus, he says, I remember these things. And, and he said, but this, this complaint I have against you, and this complaint is this, that you've fallen from your first love. You don't love me and you don't love one another the way you used to. You don't love me and you don't love one another the way you did at first. Go back and do the things you did before. Here's a little note for someone who just got married. If you took her out on dates before you married her, you better continue taking her out on dates after you married her. Because if you don't do what you did first, you just tell her that you fooled her and pulled one over on her. Because if you don't treat her as good as you did when you first tried to win her over, now that you got her, you better keep at least doing that and maybe even more because your love for her ought to grow even more and more and more. I promise this is not a marriage thing. I just, <laughs> do what you did at first. Do, do what you did at first. He says, go back to, to that way that it was. If there's that sensitivity. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but when I was young, I grew up in church all my life, but I don't think it's just because I grew up in church. I think when you're young in your Christian walk, but as a young uh, believer, I got saved at the age of seven, but even into my early teen years, anyone else relate to this? Like every Sunday you felt like you needed to get saved? 
When the preacher would like give the altar call, you're like, that's oh, me. I got to get saved again. Can anybody relate to that? It was like the sensitivity of like, I got to get saved. You know, but when I matured, I learned I didn't need to get saved because my salvation is complete in Jesus Christ. When I believe on him, I am saved. I didn't have to get saved over again. I just had to learn how to fan into flames the gift of faith that God had put in me. I had to learn how to fan into flames. And I appreciate the sensitivity of new believers. And even when I was young, and I pray that I don't lose lose that sensitivity to just fan into flames the gift that God has given us. How do you fan into flames? Number one, simple thing is this, that you worship. Don't ever stop adoring him. Don't ever stop adoring him. Don't ever stop speaking or or acknowledging how good he is that it's worship. Number two, it's Bible. It's spending time in the word of God. Don't ever stop knowing more about him. Don't ever stop knowing him. He's revealed to us through the words. Number three, talk about him with others. Don't ever stop talking about who he is and telling others about him and who he is. (coughs) Sorry, I did that in the microphone. You'll forgive me. One of the most subtle things, I know I want to rush through this, uh, uh, but I want you to hear this today. One of the most subtle things the enemy is going to do to get you and I off course and to keep us from moving forward and allowing our heart to be in, in tune with God one of the most subtle and dangerous things the enemy will do is to make us think. How many know it's always in the mind where the enemy begins the battles? The enemy wants to make you think it's not that important. See, the enemy wants you to think it's not that important. And what do I mean by that? Well, obviously, it's not that important because if you think what you do is not important, sooner or later you think who you are is not important. And when you live life feeling like you're insignificant and it's not important, you still feel, you start feeling and living like things don't matter and you just go through the motions. The enemy wants you to feel like it doesn't matter. Because if the enemy can convince you that it doesn't matter, and, and listen, in fact, here's what, here's what it says in Psalm 106. How many know that Israel had a problem while they were in Egypt and out of Egypt, that they had a problem remembering the goodness of God after he brought them out of Egypt. Listen what, what Psalm 106 says. Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. They were no longer impressed with him. You know that word impressed means, eh, no big deal. The enemy wants to get you to a place where it's no big, eh, it's no big deal. You used to read the word of God, and maybe if, if you've come to a relationship with Jesus Christ and you read the word and the word of God became important to you, soon it comes to a place where it's like, you know what, I don't have a lot of time, and I only read a few verses, and I don't really get much out of them, so it doesn't matter if I miss, and it's, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Until sooner or later, it goes to like days, weeks, and months, and some people haven't even opened their Bible in a long time because somehow we've convinced, you know, I've been able to make it this far on my own. Everything's been fine. I don't have any problems. I don't have any issues. Everything's good. You better believe everything's going to be good and just go along the way that, that you think it ought to go because the enemy's not going to want anything to disturb your insignificance. The enemy doesn't want to do anything to allow anything to disturb what's been moving. And in those moments when things do happen, I don't know it's always the enemy. I think it's God allowing us to get us our attention. It's God allowing things to get our attention to say, hey, you're not in this on your own. You can't do this in your own strength. It's easy that it's not that big of a deal. You know, we got a lot going on. We got a lot of things that are ahead of us. And 
and we're busy, and Sundays are the only day off, and so I'll make it when I can, and I'll make it when I can. Or my, my favorite is this. We can't come to church because the kids are going to be professionals by the time they're whatever they are at playing the violin, and we got to make sure they get to this and do this and all the stuff, and we prioritize. When we allow those things, we create this matter of it's not that important. But how many know that sometimes it's not a matter of it's not important, it's, it, and we'll sometimes say, and we'll never say that it's not important, but we'll say things like we've got a lot going on or we're busy or there's a lot of things to do. Can I just encourage you today? Maybe the thinking is not you have a lot to do, lot to do. Maybe you're doing the wrong things. Maybe it's not that you have a lot to do. It might be that you're doing the wrong things. It might be that we're allowing the insignificance and you say, well, Jason, you must be preaching because church attendance down, so we want to make sure we get everybody. No. What it is is when we start, that's not that big of a deal. It soon, soon infiltrates into other things and other thoughts and other, other, other ideas and things that we carry. It allows this deadening of heart that we forget. Forgetfulness is the evidence of insignificance. When you forget, it only reveals that it wasn't that important. Forgetfulness is the evidence of insignificance. Have you ever forgotten something? <laughs> I was... Uh, Jordan, when she was in middle school or elementary school, I would um, at least enough times to count on two hands maybe. I would go to take her to school. And before I would realize it, and she was too short to realize where we were, I would pull into the church and remember, oops, I didn't take her to school. Now, I would not have left her in there. That wasn't the problem. I would have remembered she was old enough. But there were enough moments that, Let's just be honest. I forgot to take her to school. Why? Because for me, getting to the office was more important. I wasn't too afraid of that. I mean, that's not, it's just the reality. Me getting where I was going was more important than her getting where she was going. Now, some of you are like, you're an awful father. Forgive me. I've corrected things. I send her with someone else now to school. She's good. <laughs> no, but just the truth of the matter is the moment you forget something, it just reveals an evidence of insignificance. And you say, but no, my daughter matters to me. That's not the truth. I didn't say she didn't matter. What means the insignificant is something else mattered more. You can't have many significant things because if you have many significant things, then you have nothing of significance. If you have many significant things, I've got, I've got a lot of significant others. Oh, do you? I've got, there's a lot of significant things in my life. The more significant things you have in your life is really the less, really having no significant things in your life. It's not that my daughter was not important that I didn't take her to school. It's that something else was more important at the moment. What are you evaluating today? Have you allowed something to become more important? Is there something else that is taking more emphasis? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come and as we prepare to close, I wanna just give you a couple of these just an evaluation here this morning. That we would fan into flame our passion, our love for Jesus Christ. That we would not allow it to grow cold. That the, the zeal would not become lessened. How do, you, how do you do that? Number one, don't forget your reputation. Don't forget your reputation. What do people know you, who do people know you as? They know you by what's important to you. They know you by what's important to you. Some of you, I know you're Steeler fans. So am I. Come into my office. 
I got a rug that says I'm a Steeler fan. Well, it doesn't say I'm a Steeler fan. It just says Steelers on it. But there's nothing wrong with that. But what are you known by? You're known for being competitive. I'm known for being this. Are you known for being a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you known for having a love, a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're known, you're known by the things that are important to you. Now, I'm not saying there's wrong things to be known for who you, what fan or what team you follow, what thing you're about, what you enjoy, what your hobbies are. What, nothing's wrong with those things. But are you known as a follower? Paul said, I remember the faith that you had, Timothy. When I think of you, I remember the faith that comes along. I remember the faith that's coming alive in your heart. I, I remember my... My, uh, I heard some people, when I was growing up, uh, some of the, my friends, their dads would say to them, when we would go hang out, remember whose last name you're carrying. I don't know if I kind of wish my dad would do that. Because my dad, when I'd leave the house, would be like, remember, the way you live today is how people are going to know Jesus. What? <laughs> I mean, dad didn't give me, remember your last name and make sure you, you carry your last name. My thing with dad was, don't be stupid. And remember... The way you live today will show people who Jesus is. That wasn't pressure. I know for some people, like, oh, the weight, the pressure. No, because there's this joy of who we are in Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I don't have a problem wearing black and gold that says I'm a fan. Especially when I'm going to the game. I want people to know who I'm rooting for. I don't have a problem not being obnoxious, not being outspoken, but just living the life every day knowing every decision I'm making is reflecting the glory of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, you can forget someone's name, but I pray they won't forget the name above all names, the person that we're living for. What, what is our reputation? Here's, here's number two. You gotta, if we're going to fan into flames, it's our responsibility. This, you have a responsibility here. He says fan into flames. It's something that you need to do. Can I just give you a help here? What you need to do is fan into flames, not fix it. I have gotten in the trap feeling like I need faith to fix it. It's bad enough and takes enough for me to just fan into flames my relationship and my passion and my love for Jesus. Sometimes we get the faith thing mixed up because God says fan into flames and we try to fix it, but fix it is God's job, fan into flame is mine. You can only take control over what you have control over. There's some things that are out of our control, but take responsibility for what you have control over. Do you know what I hated to admit? that I had control over my thoughts. I remember talking to somebody one, one time, and I said, man, I, I, man I, I hate when these thoughts come. And, and, and he's like, well, man, you got to quit having those thoughts. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. You don't have to make it that hard. He said, and I knew this. I know the scriptures. Take captive every thought that lifts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Tear those things down. I, I understand that. Then there's those moments where it's like, man, I'd rather someone else take control of that. Because then if that wasn't a certain way, then I wouldn't have problems with that thought. How many know what I have to do is say, no, God, I'm going to get my thoughts in line. I'm going to take control over what I 
And I'm going to fan into flame this faith that you're in control, that you've got this, you've got me. You're holding all things together, that we don't abandon the things that are beside us, but that we trust God. Don't leave the car sitting on the side of the road when all you need to do is put some gas in it. Just give it some attention. Spend time in the Word of God. Spend time in worship. Engage, enter in. Lift your hands. You say, well, I don't lift my hands. I don't sing out loud. I don't do that stuff. Then however you express, do that. Because you express favor somehow. I mean, you express joy somehow. I mean, you do it somehow. When your team wins, you do it. When you get good news, you say it. Don't tell me you're not that kind. I'm not that kind of worshiper. That's totally fine. Don't be this kind or that kind. Be a worshiper. But the last thing you want to act like is like, ah, it's not me. That's negligence that just keeps settling into, eh, it's not that important. Eh, it's not that important. Until you get longer enough down the road, it's like not that important. Like, where did the love go? I just fell out of love. Can I tell you? Just save, save yourself time. If you ever plan to come into my office and tell me you fell out of love with your spouse, <laughs> go to another pastor. Because I don't think you can fall out of love with your spouse. Because if you fell in love with them, that was an accident. You tripped and fell. You don't fall in love. You make a commitment. What you really mean is, I'm not willing to make the same commitment I once did. I'm not willing to do the things I used to do. I'm not willing to see them the way I used to see them. I'm not willing to think about them the way I used to think about them. I'm not willing to believe about them the things I once believed about them. I'm not willing to continue the way I used to. Fan into flames. Give you the last one. Know that the reward... Man, there's a great reward for not giving up. Paul said this. He said, my time is going to come and I'm going to go. I'm going to make reach my reward. And I want you to fan into flames that you have this love for God. How do you have this love for God? God, I want my reputation to be that it's all about you. When people see me, I want them to see Jesus. I want, my, I want to take responsibility over the things that are mine. And I want to live for a reward that is not on this earth, but a reward that is not even in this earth. May we still get excited because the trumpet's going to sound one day and we get to go see Jesus. But to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That we look forward to this. This is our hope. Would you stand with me all across this room? With every head bowed and every eye closed, today I want to ask you this question. Is your heart for Jesus beating with the same passion it once was it once had I realize it doesn't always feel a certain way that's not the point maybe here today with every head bowed and eye closed today you say Jason I'm having a place where I could say that my heart is not beating passionately like it once did and today I'm saying God would you fan into flames Help me to fan into flames my passion for you. If that's you today, just lift your hand right where you are and say, in Jesus' name, yeah, yeah, 
So once you've done that, now you can put your hand down. And all across this room, not just those who raise their hands, but I want to ask you today, what have you allowed to become so important in your life today that you might have to say, God, forgive me that I've allowed many things to be significant, but today I need to make you the most significant. I don't think that's just people who raise their hand. I think it's all of us today. Say, God, I want you to be more significant. You say, well, what do you have to make more significant then? Can I tell you? I had to know that God was even, that Jesus is even more significant than my wife. Do you know who I love more than anything on this earth? My wife. But do you know who's even more significant than her? Jesus. He's everything. What are you allowing to be more significant in your life? Is it a job? Is it a hobby? Is it Whatever it might be, God, you have significance. Fan into flames. Father, I pray today, Lord, that in this time of decision, that you would fan into flames the passion in our heart to burn for you, to know who you are. God, become even more who you are. Reveal who you are in our lives, that we would not grow weary and tired of you, but God, that our hearts would burn with greater joy, with greater longing for your presence. Oh God, help us to fan into flames the faith of knowing you, of trusting you, of being in relationship with you. In Jesus' name.